On this episode of the Hustle the Day podcast, I have longtime friend Damon Burton. Damon has focused on relationships over the last decade, and that has led to his successful business today. You're going to want to listen to this one. Let's jump into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle the Day podcast. My name is Trent. Super honored to have a longtime friend on the show, Damon Burton. He's He's been a huge influence on me, whether he knows it or not. But I want you to jump in here, Damon, and introduce yourself so my audience knows a little bit more about you. Yeah, thanks. I uh, appreciate it, Trent. Before I introduce myself, what's interesting, like you said, we've known each other for a long time. I'm, it's got to be like 18 years or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and what's it's interesting is I was thinking before we got on here, you know, you shot me messages before like, hey, let's you know talk about business things here and there and subtly said like, hey, that thing you told me what had a positive impact. But um, what's funny is the other way around, like back in the early days of us hanging out, I was like, Trent's such an enigma. What does he do? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm excited to jump on here and chat. Uh, so the crash course on what I do is I started an agency called SEO National 13 years ago. We focus on SEO, which is search engine optimization. The abbreviated answer of what that is, in case you don't know, is my agency works with companies to have them show up higher on search engines without paying for ads. And so the increase in that position increases visibility, which means clicks, which means sales. Awesome. Very cool. And like you said, it's all about getting narrowing that bed down to sales because you know, people think SEO, great. If I get up on the top of the rankings, it's got to, I mean, it's got to do something. It's got to translate into sales. And so, um, you know, a lot of people that I've interviewed or talked to that are in the SEO space, they don't get that succinct. It's just, oh, it's about ranking. It's like, yeah, no, really, it's about sales. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, um, understanding the importance of, of exactly what you're talking about is intent. And so a lot of times when I talk to customers or even we'll, we'll kind of piggyback off what you started talking about, um, a new client comes to us and, and says, Hey, we, we had SEO before, but you know, anytime a client comes to me and they had SEO before, that means SEO is bad, right? Because why else would they be leaving the other guys? Right. So then what I have to do is, is it's, it's really interesting for the others in the SEO space. Um, from my perspective, when I go, Hey, new client, what were you targeting before? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, what do you mean? You're, you're, so it's either that they have no clue or even if they do have a list of targets and they said, we're targeting these and I'll look at those, those words and they'll be like, why are you targeting those? Because there's the wrong intent behind those words. So even if your website did show up on the top of Google, who cares? Like people are going to click on your thing. If they click on it, they're just going to leave because it's the wrong intent. And it's the wrong audience. So intent plays a huge part on bridging the gap between sure. Rankings are cool, but does it bring dollars? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I love the, the way you put that intent. It's, and a lot of people don't have that right intent or understand the intent or, and like you said, knowing what words they're targeting, a lot of people will just hire an SEO company and say, all right, just make it work. And they don't involve the customer in the process. They don't involve the client in the process. It, and you're definitely more hands-on, more involved in that and trying to see that success. Like, you know, yeah. we've, I've watched some of your success stories and uh, that how you've helped clients, and um, it seems like you involve them quite a bit more than 
a typical agency probably would. We try and find the happy medium, right? So on my side, yeah, I want their input and, and I want to educate them. But at the same time, I ha- it's really a perfect balance because at the same time, I don't want to have to wait for them because uh, on certain things, and I'll elaborate in a minute, but I don't want them to bottleneck our progress. So sure. like what I have to do, an example is when we start, we put a ton of effort into what we were just talking about. What are we targeting and why? What's the intent? And then how do we create content that supports those targets? And so then a second layer of intent, what's the intent behind us writing this piece of content? So then what happens though, is I got to go to the client and I say, Hey, uh, we're going to write all these things. Is this cool? Because we're representing them, right? We're, Mm -hmm. We're writing this content, but our name's not on it, their name's on it. And so the, the problem I run into is I want them totally involved because I want them to say, yes, I love this topic and yes, this is our voice and yes, this aligns with our strategies and our mission statement, whatever. But the problem I have is if I go and I say, uh, hey, you know, here's our topic for next week, do you approve it? And if I'm waiting on that short of a frequency, then, then I'm going all right, not only do I need you to prove next week's topic, but what's up with last week's topic? You still haven't, you know, that's still outstanding. So what I have to do is I have to, like in this specific example, the way I walk the perfect line is we really front load the research in advance. And so we map out a 52 week content calendar. So that way I can go, Hey, just, just this 20 minutes. Can you look at this thing? And I'm, (laughs) and I'm, and then you don't bottleneck our progress that we're, we're fighting for on your behalf. um, But you still get, the check and balance of going, yeah, all these things make sense. So yeah, you, you, the more I can educate my clients, the better they can help us help them. But at the same time, I have to do as much as possible in house because waiting on, you know, they're business owners, they got stuff to do. And so I can't rely on, you know, I can't always rely on prompt feedback. Very cool. Yeah. It sounds like you've had a lot of trial and error through that process of figuring out, you know, walking that perfect line, like you said, uh, because, really it's it's a process to try and capture someone's attention and then keep it there long enough to get your point across to help advance their business and so i i definitely understand uh where you're coming from and trying to like i said walk that perfect line um but let's let's take it back a little bit before seo national going back to when we met um, so at the time you were a radio DJ at a local radio station, you were, had your own little side hustle going, uh, in the automotive community. And that's kind of how we connected. Yeah. Um, what is it when, in that process, did you decide, look, I'm going to go out and do this on my own when I'm going to start my own business? Yeah. So it was, uh, an evolution of a couple right moments. I never had this definitive, aha where i'm like there's the trajectory i'm aiming for but it was small things where where it was like yeah this is a good idea i'm gonna pursue it further and then that evolved into another idea but it's it's interesting you say radio and the car site because it's a blend of those so so the listeners have a background i had this i um i still have the domain but it's just kind of archived there's nothing there but so i had this domain elitereds.com and then it was this local car enthusiast um community and when I started it, if you want to go back even one step further, at the time I was in college, and so I didn't know what I wanted to do. And like a lot of people, they 
you, you go into communications because communications can go anywhere. <laughs> so I was in communications classes and one of the projects was build a, a website that has these minimum requirements. And so I had done HTML the year before when I was a senior and a junior in high school. So when I was a junior, they just came out with HTML. And so if you think back those 20, 25 years ago, they didn't have commercial applications to build websites. So you had to learn by hand, which is awesome now because now I use, you know, Photoshop, WordPress, Streamweaver, all those things. But those programs don't know when something looks ugly. They're just like, Damon told me to do this thing. So I'm going to do this thing. And so it's really nice to have had that background in learning manual HTML and CSS. So I can go in there and say, WordPress, you're doing something stupid. And here's how you, you fix it, right? So I, I, that's like day one into this journey was in high school, then in college, I'm in communications class. And two things happened in, in that year of communications was one, I could take an elective and I just, and one of those electives could be um, interning. And so I pursued an internship at the radio station. And so we'll come back to that in a minute. The other thing was build this website with these minimum requirements. So as I, as I was reading these requirements, I thought, man, that's a lot of effort to put into something that I know the school is just going to delete at the end of the semester. Right. So I thought, why don't I buy a domain and whatever I build, build it there and then keep it. So in my project, I built the car site and then, um, fast forward a couple months. And so what the content of this, the car site was for the listeners was, uh, think like fast and free furious type cars before fast and furious came out. I think my, I don't remember what year fast and furious came out, but my website had been around for a year or two before that. And so I would, I would be driving around and I'd see somebody go by in, you know, a, a civic or an Integra that looked nice. And I'd honk and I'd be like, Hey, Hey, like, <laughs> pull over <laughs> and so i'd get him pull over and i'd, I'd say um hey I, I got this new website i started can i basically do a profile on your car and i'd keep these little sheets of paper in my car that said you're making model and what mods do you have and and so i just write down all these things and then i'd go home and then i'd create a little page about this car so i started doing that to a bunch of cars uh, eventually i added a message board and the message board is what really fostered the growth and then where that kind of transitions into turning into a career was I stumbled across the server logs one day and this is kind of before analytics Google Analytics or at least before I knew about it I don't know when analytics came out but I stumbled I stumbled across these logs called Webalizer and Webalizer is still around but not very many people use it uh, and it says you know you got this many hits per day and I was like holy crap I actually have people looking at this because I had never quantified it before and so at that point I said how do I how do I make this better because if I make this better then more people are going to participate and so that's how I started getting into actually pursuing web design instead of just throwing a site together and yeah. then rinse and repeat rinse and repeat and then at some point I said how do I monetize this and so that opened up my journey into Google AdSense and that just one thing, one thing, one thing. And so the way the radio ties into all this, if you're not familiar with the world of radio, in between you jumping on the mic and saying your thing and introducing a song, you're just kind of sitting there. And so I would, very similar to how we're recording this now, I'd have the mic here and I'd have a computer screen there. And so in between my, my little talking breaks, I would just be working on Elite Rides. And then eventually, you know, at some point I was that kid who did websites for their neighbors for cheap or mm -hmm. what, you know, whatever. And I built up enough clients on the side that 
you know, I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit so I can take a break, but, you know, somewhere in between there is when I said, okay, let's make an intentional effort to turn this into an actual thing and not just a side thing. But that's how I got into it. Very cool. Yeah. And you, um, you worked for another company for a little while that, um, that did online marketing. And I think it was right after that, that you made the jump, uh, to your own thing. Um, unfortunately I'm, I'm failing to grasp names. Uh, the, the guy with the Lamborghini. We don't need to say yeah. their names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was, I worked for this, um, and there was actually one guy after him, but was okay. in the same space. So, um, I worked for this gentleman who was super successful, um, but just not a good guy to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, to put it he was in perspective. He's a neighbor of mine as well. So I, I kind of knew it was. was, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, At the time you were working for him, I was actually neighbors with him. So <laughs> I'll give you an update when we stop recording. <laughs> okay. So, um, so I, I, I had, when I was working for this guy, he worked in affiliate marketing. And so all of the, it was all the cliche things that you think of with spam, right? So you get emails about um, government grants, you get emails about work from home, you get emails about weight loss. Like I was designing those things. And (laughs) so this guy, to give you a scope of, um, you know, Usually I don't really talk about like this, but I think there's a good opportunity because we can talk about what I learned from it. So all the bad that I learned from this guy, I I turned into good, right? I learned how not to treat employees. Um, And and two examples of that is one in compensation. So at the time he was grossing one to $2 million per month. And I was his only full-time employee and he had a part-time secretary. So we had two employees, but I was only full-time one. And on, you know, honestly, I was doing all the technical work. He brought the relationships. Um, I couldn't do it without him. He couldn't do it without me. But the actual production of the product uh, and how it was launched was 100% on me. And I was making twelve fifty an hour. Hmm. So at the time, no complaints because I'm like 23, 24, I don't know. And um, I could pay my bill just fine. And it was a cool environment to work in. I got to do cool things. And uh, but but the compensation was just you know the the problem I had more than just the hourly rate because the hourly rate was fine for me back then but relative to what he was doing looking back it's just kind of like uh, you know you, you probably didn't treat your team fair and I wasn't the only one the other lady kind of got shortchanged but the bigger problem was like bonuses so every once in a while he'd incentivize this like if we do this thing or if you launch this new project fast enough then I'll give you this bonus. And that never happened. And by the time the last bonus came around was, you know, he had another one or two employees by this point. And one of the other guys I'm actually still really good friends with and I talked to today. Um, but he owed us, he owed us all bonuses and the other guy called him out. Um, and so the way that that bonus did get paid was along the lines of him walking into the office and like throwing a stack of cash on the counter and walking out <laughs> and mumbling something about it. So, you know, you, you really just like a lot of what I learned in, if you ask my, my team and I refer to them as a team more than employees and Trent's probably seen me talk about a lot of things mm-hmm. and like I'll, I'll anonymize their comments that they send me and blur out their faces and names, but I'll share their messages. Like we have killer relationships and half my team is in the States and half my team's in the Philippines. And I've even had some of my teams in the Philippines invite me to be 
godfather of their newborn kids and one of them got married and I couldn't make it because my wife was due with her third kid at the time that their wedding was and I didn't want to take the risk. And so they went and bought a life-size cardboard cutout of me and legit (laughs) had me at their wedding, like not as a joke, in the form of a cardboard cutout. So I learned a lot of really good things from from them, uh, um, from that process of like, you know, do the opposite. Um, So I worked with him and then, yeah, there was one other guy, um, similar space, a a lot nicer guy, um, but he he had some legal troubles too. Uh, So I learned a lot like, hey, like, how do you do things right without sacrificing your morals? Yeah. And it's good that you learned those things, you know, underneath someone rather than learn it through experience of doing the wrong things yourself and ending up in legal troubles yourself. But um, I, I've honestly, I've referenced you more than, you know, um, (laughs) in regards to the team aspect, because I've, uh, I've, talked recently a lot about um you know virtual assistants which you are a big proponent of but Mm -hmm. you do it the right way like i've talked to several other business owners and it's like what you really need at this point in time uh is you need a virtual assistant and you need to understand who damon burton is and he's he does it right first of all listen to this podcast the one you did with uh rich cardona Um, and then, um, you know, I'll bring up the wedding story and Mm -hmm. I'll bring up that you went out and visited them. And unfortunately your, your trip got shortchanged by the country shutting down due to the, the, the pandemic that we're in right now. But, uh, I, I bring it up a lot to any really, honestly, anybody who will listen, who's like, Oh, I need employees or I need some help or something like that. It's like, no, Damon's got this figured out. He's, he's the man that, that can still keep that, uh, close team relationship with a virtual assistant, which you don't Mm -hmm. typically see, uh, go hand in hand. It's usually uh, cheap labor. Yeah. But with you, you've, you've totally transformed that. How did you end up getting into uh, researching virtual assistants and getting uh, to build that team aspect with somebody remotely? The, the first one, and this will underscore your statement about building relationships. The first one is still with me today. And two weeks ago um, was his 10 years with me. Wow. And so um, the, the, the way that, it, so his name's Marco. And last time I shouted him out on that Rich Cardona podcast. And I was like, Hey, if you want to skip ahead to minute, whatever I said, what's up. And so he messaged, so we all communicate on Skype and he messages me like, I hit, I hit repeat like 10 times. What's up, Marco? What's up, Marco? What's up, Marco? <laughs> so now I'm going to have to do the same thing on this one. But, um, so Marco, it went through a couple phases and that's like a recurring theme with what I do is, is be okay with the unknown and like, don't lock yourself into, I got to know the answer to everything now. Like if, if it, if it, if you have the opportunity to say, okay, I can take this one baby step and the one baby step feels right. Or your other option is I can take, you know, four man size steps, but I'm a little unsure, like take the baby steps because it might take an extra, you know, extra time to get there, but you're going to get there in the right way that eventually compensates for that time and leaps you ahead later or is better financially or whatever. So with, with Marco, I, it was that last company after the one guy we were talking about, um, 
it was this company out in Vegas and they offered, so they had heard that I left that first guy and, and they had a mutual contact and, and he called me up and he says, Hey, I heard you left so-and-so. I got somebody that needs exactly you. Can you get on the phone right now? And I, and, and I remember clear as day, I was in my, in my backyard at my old house and I'm like, sure. <laughs> like, what do you say? <laughs> yeah. So I, I get this guy on the phone and he says, Hey, I'm in Vegas. Um, there was like no sales about it. It was just like, do you want in or not? And so I said, yeah, but I'm not moving to Vegas. And he says, all right, we'll, we'll revisit it later. And so he said, you work from home and they'd fly me in like once or twice a month. So I'd fly in in the morning and fly out at night just, just to have that little touch point. And, um, so through them, they had in-house designers. There was like me and three or four others, but then they also had, a, a virtual assistant staffing company, which hmm. might be a good point for us to talk about the difference between hiring a company versus hiring an actual independent person. But they had a staffing company. And so I was kind of like an indirect lead over some of those guys. And Marco was on that team. And so after I left those guys, fast forward however long, I, I was a one-man show for a while because I was 24, 25, and I could pay my bills. Like, cool. Yeah. And so it just that's where it was for a while. And then I started getting enough business where I needed somebody else. And Marco popped in my mind. Marco could probably help. And I still had him on AOL Instant Messenger. And so I sent him an AIM and I said, hey, Marco, what are you doing these days? And he says, well, I'm not working for that staffing company anymore. And I said, well, here's what I need. Can you do this and that? And we like negotiated a piece rate kind of thing. If you do a mm -hmm. landing page, it's this much. If you do an email design, it's this much. And a banner is this much. And so we started doing that for a while. And then eventually I had enough consistent work where I, economically I said, I should probably see if I can negotiate a salary instead. And then I get the better economical benefits of that. And then Marco gets the stability. And mm -hmm. so we negotiated a pay. And so he was my first VA. Um, and then where the next, uh, you know, Evolvement in VAs and staffing was I had probably had one or two more over the years, but then at one point I was listening to Tim Ferriss's four hour work week and I didn't have like a huge aha, like a lot of the concepts he's talked about, I was already familiar with or doing. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I took away at the end of that was why do I only have one VA or two or how many I had? And so I said, I like there's no reason that I can't scale and bring in more. And so within like a three weeks, four weeks, I had four more VAs. Wow. And so that's how I got there. Um, and then I think what the next topic of discussion would, would probably lead into is like, what do you do with those guys and how do you scale them and quality control and all that stuff. But that's how I, I launched into that world. That's very cool. And it, like you said, you scaled it, but it allows you more flexibility in your uh, personal time as well as your business time. Like you've, you've done some crazy things that to a traditional entrepreneur nowadays is just unheard of. Nobody has your personal cell phone. Like mm -hmm. you only use Facebook messenger on your computer. Yeah. Like you just, I mean, some of these things are crazy. And then you, the fact that you involve so much of your time with your family as well, I'm just incredible things that you're, that you're able to accomplish by having these virtual assistants mm -hmm. help do some of the legwork along the way, which is 
been super awesome. Has Have you ever experienced any challenges getting to that point? Because it seems like you're at a good place now, but what kind of challenges did you come across during that process? Um, I didn't, I never really had anything that was the, that I had a challenge in the sense that I suffered, like, you know, economically with deals or anything. Uh, but it's definitely been an evolving process, right? So if you want to go full circle where it started was with that guy that I was working for and I was at dinner with my wife and we were at a restaurant and I had my T-Mobile sidekick and I had, I had email on there and he, I don't know if he called me or emailed me first, but he like reached out and it was like seven 30 at night, you know, way past Mm -hmm. five o'clock and I didn't answer. And so then I started getting whatever the other form of communication was. And then after that, it went to like text message. So I think email was last because that's the whole point of the story is I got that email and I said, this is stupid. And like right there at dinner, I deleted it and I've never had email on my phone again since that night. So Hmm. that's kind of like one story that really pushed me in that direction. And probably just in general working with that guy where he was very OCD and he needed answers uh, now, not because they needed an answer now, but his OCD right. needed an answer now. And I, I made it very clear that I didn't want to put myself in that position as a business owner because, you know, you start a business and entrepreneurs in their mind, that they're, the two main things are freedom and financial stability. Mm-hmm. And so what I witnessed was even though with this guy, I wasn't an entrepreneur in some respects I was because it was such a unique industry and I could kind of do like my own things, but I had enough of an opportunity to at least look into the future and say, if I'm being exposed to this now as an employee, just imagine what it would be like as a business owner. And so as I started doing business, um, I got like a separate line at home, you know, when it was just a one man show and I was at home by myself. I got a separate line. And then there was a couple of times where I gave out my cell phone number at first because I didn't know how to say no, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you're an early stage entrepreneur, when a client says, uh, they're talking to you on your office phone and they say, cool, is this your cell phone? Like, how do you say no? Like, I can do it now. <laughs> but back then, you're afraid of losing the deal. Or what if I say no? And then, you know, whatever, there's these insecurities. And so the few times over the years that I have given away my cell phone, it was always reinforced. Yep. That was a bad decision because the only time the people (laughs) that get your cell phone that push for it are the people that are going to annoy you with it. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I made a real strong effort to not do that. And that just kind of evolved into other things and where I realized the importance of mental bandwidth. And I don't, I didn't formally recognize it as that until recently, Um, and then once I formally recognize that now it's like this whole, whole other level. So even before I didn't have emails on my phone and even before I said, I'm not going to install messenger, I just didn't want those distractions. But now looking back at it it, in retrospect, it's, it just saves your sanity. And just the thought I was telling you before we jumped on record, I had a, a new friend from 
that I met through my podcast that said, add me on Marco Polo. And I just went, holy crap, do I really want to install Marco Polo? <laughs> and it wasn't even for business, but it was just right. the concept of another potential distraction. So um, yeah, you know, family is super important and, and all of those, that's probably what brings it home is aside from the mental distractions and saving mental bandwidth. Um, I just, I just want to check out when I'm done for the day and just hang out with the kids. And I, I still screw up. I still check my phone and whatever, but it's, I can only imagine how worse it would be with those other things. Yes, I can speak to that. I definitely do get distracted because I do have those things on there and I do get in trouble from time to time, understandably so, because, you know, I'm pulling myself away from the situation of being with the family and, so I, I applaud you for that. I don't feel like I have the discipline to do that <laughs> at this point in my life, but it's probably going to have to get there at some point. Yeah. Uh, so another uh, question I have for you, though, is with having so much of your team remote uh, and, you know, working in their their own spaces have you really been affected by this pandemic like in terms of the working relationship or has that been a pretty smooth transition if anything it's probably gotten better because look this is super awkward to talk about because understandably a huge the majority of population has been negatively affected by this Mm -hmm. fortunately i have not and so it's really hard for me to come in and say this is awesome. Business is up, right? <laughs> so if we just look at it, the reality of, a, of it, I'm fortunate and that is the case. But that doesn't mean we didn't have those first couple of weeks where we're like, what's going to happen? And like you kind of touched on, I was in the Philippines when this happened. So I have all these team members over there, never met them in person, first time. And I'm supposed to be there for eight days and end up being there for four because the day I fly out is when the coronavirus topic is picking up steam. It was certainly circulating, but it wasn't a meltdown yet. There was no lockdowns yet. The day I left was, was Washington or whoever that said, we're on lockdown. And I flew through Washington. So mm-hmm. I go from here to Washington, to, to Japan, to the Philippines. And what was interesting is when I left Salt Lake City, um, like I'm, I'm a pretty precautious kind of person. And so I had packed masks and sanitizer just because, right? Like I didn't know if this was like the thing and I put my tin hat on or not, but I'm like, I'm going to bring them in case I need them. Mm -hmm. So what was interesting though, looking back is I go from Salt Lake to Washington and there's almost nobody wearing masks and I get to Japan and it's like 60% of people wearing Mm -hmm. masks and I get to the Philippines and it's 90% of people wearing masks. And there's, the Philippines didn't have any cases at this point, or at least reported. And so fast forward a couple of days and I start getting family texting me, are you going to be able to make it back home? They're doing lockdowns. They just did a European ban. And so I told my team, I said, Hey, I don't know how long we should take this risk because I think this is the writing on the wall about these lockdowns and travel bans. So I said, I can't risk being here for 30 days or whatever away mm-hmm. from my family. And so within two hours of getting those notices, I was back at, so I was on an island called Palawan. And so within two hours, I was back at the Palawan airport to head back to Manila and then had already rescheduled all my flights to leave Manila the next morning. And so when I landed, what I was more worried about was not the US lockdown, but was the Philippines locking down. And Mm -hmm. sure enough, 
as soon as I landed from from Palo Alto to Manila, their president got on and said, 48 hours, everybody, and we're locking it down. So I got out. And then when I was heading back, um, that 90% of people wearing masks in the Philippines was like 98%. Japan was like, went from 60 to 80%. I get back to Washington, the biggest epicenter at the time, nobody. I think I saw five people on the way out, zero on the way back home. I'm like, what is going on, guys? <laughs> so I, I tell you all that because you ask, um, you know, how has this impacted my working relationship? The reason why it's gotten better, and I'm not talking about financially, um, I'm talking about re- relationships, is because my team was nervous. You know, they have their friends that are getting laid off and they have their friends that do VA stuff. And so when I hire my team, like I don't call them VAs because they work exclusively for me, right? So it's not like they're part of a staffing agency where they're balancing multiple other VA clients. So they were super nervous. And, and so I, we usually communicate through Skype. And so I sent them a message. I said, hey, let's, let's jump on a group chat in the next couple of days. Tell me a time that works. And so we ended up getting on and I said, I don't have an agenda for this meeting other than just to kind of give you guys some reassurance. Like, look, we've had one or two clients cancel, but the week before this all happened, we boarded five new ones. So we have plenty of cushion. And then as that's gone on, we've compensated those two that we lost above and beyond the five and have got two or three more. And so we're in a really fortunate position, but just the, the, the mental comfort in me saying, Hey guys, like, you know, you guys are stable uh, has probably added some other layer that I'll look back on that, that will be pretty obvious. Yeah. But I think it also, um, you mentioned how fortunate you are in this situation, but I, I do think there was some, just how you run your business, how you run your teams already, I think helped make that, um, uh, situation better than it otherwise would have been because if you did have them all in-house all locally uh you would have a completely different working dynamic relationship because now you have to say hey you can't come to the office and i know you do have some employees however uh it would be different if all your team was there hey you've got to work remote now that you already had that remote working relationship and i think that is going to benefit you long-term, especially during a time when everybody has to be working remotely. Yeah. The, the transition to going remote is just non-existent for us because we were already completely remote. E- even though half my team's in the States, they all work remote too. Um, you know, what's funny is uh, I've never met any of my stateside employees either. Hmm. So I've met my Philippines employees sooner than <laughs> my stateside employees. Um, but yeah, and I think kind of another reason why things are, we're, we're fortunate is, is those relations. I take that same type of mindset to my clients too. So even though I say, Hey, you're not going to call me on my cell phone. Other than that, I'm available all the time. And you know, the one thing I don't sub out to my team is my emails because I want that personal relationship. Like I'm still the face of the company and I still manage the relationships. So right now when everybody else is panicking and they're like, where do we get the best bang for our buck? They're leaning more on who can we trust, right? Right. So the existing clients are not going anywhere because they're comfortable and they're sending other people because other people are panicking and going, Trent, who do you work with? Who can we trust? And so then those guys are saying, well, we've been with Damon for a long time and he's really transparent. So that's definitely added a layer of knocking down the sales wall and bringing in business without any 
you know, issues with the dynamic of what's going on otherwise. Right. So do you think there is going to be any permanent changes coming out of this pandemic for business going forward, not necessarily with just you, but business in general? For sure. I don't think there's going to be changes for, for me. I mean, the way we're, we are now is the way we've always been for the most part. But yeah, like I have a client who's, um, he's in construction, like home remodels and he's going all virtual. So his bread and butter used to be home shows and those okay. are canceled for the foreseeable future. And right. so he's scrambling saying we, we need to go all digital. So we're setting up the ability for him to do virtual consultations and virtual bookings and virtual showrooms. And then he's sitting there talking about, I don't know what these other guys in my industry are thinking because a lot of these guys think things are going to go back to the way they were. And they will a little bit, but we are permanently more digital in many industries. And I even have uh, my kids go to this karate studio and you know, the owner we've, we've just kind of hit it off over the couple, last couple of years and I started mentoring him a little bit. And, and I sent him a text when this all started happening and I can't remember what it was. At. I remember there was three things because I said one, I, I literally bulleted it out in the text. I said one, <laughs> this, two, that, and then three was all caps. Dude, what are you going to do? And <laughs> he writes back and he's like, I don't know. We're going to, we're going to, we're trying to figure it out now and I'm experimenting with software and I'm like, no, you need Zoom and you need this calendar thing and you need this. Mm-hmm. And th- like two days later, his partner, who's cool as well, but he doesn't know that I'm talking, I talk a lot to the other guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, this is Sensei so-and-so. Um, we're going to start teaching digitally. Like, I think Sensei Jeff said you're familiar with Zoom, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm the one that set you guys up. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so like they're going all in on digital and hopefully they get the opportunity to reopen their physical studio in the near future. But what we're doing is, Hey, you got to offset that as much as possible, whether that, whether things go back to hundred percent normal, 90%, 50%, you need to build this hundred percent opportunity online. So they've been doing, um, virtual, virtual karate classes. And so they have their youth class at whatever time and their adult class at another, and they still do their private lessons virtually. And so they got the forward facing zoom for the class. And then over here, they got a separate camera that they record for YouTube. So they don't put their kids on YouTube, but they don't have to record it twice. And I build them a new website and we're just going to automate a bunch of things. So yeah, I mean, there's some things that partially or fully are, never going back to the same way they were. Yeah, for sure. My, my daughter, his, her dance studio is now virtual and you know, they yeah. set it up on zoom and she, she does her dance practice and whatnot. So yeah, I, I totally understand how that can affect things permanently. Uh, my gym that I go to, for example, they, you know, they shut down and I've yeah. been intrigued by some of their classes, but they just are never at times that I can go. They're always like, yeah. you know, 8 a.m. when the kids are getting ready for school and 6 p.m. when it's dinner time with the kids, you know, it's yep. it's like these just don't work. But now I've got access to all their classes virtually. And mm-hmm. so that's been awesome for me personally um, and something I wish would be a permanent change. You know, what's um, funny is... Um when I have, you know, meetings with clients, you know, most of my clients I've never met and, and that's largely due to referrals and the relationships we talked about, but every once in a while we jump on a zoom call. Um, and, and so 
you know, one other thing maybe for a later discussion was the importance of being transparent with your clients if you work at home. And that's obviously a lot more now than it was a month ago. But right. I, I would have no problem saying, hey, um, hey, Mr. New Client, like just a heads up, my kids get home in 10 minutes in case you hear a zoo come running down the stairs. Now, <laughs> depending on the client, I would have to like say it very politely because I didn't want to just totally be, uh, you know, I think, I think before there was a little bit of a, a stigma or stereotype, a little bit about people working from home. Like, all right, so SEO national is this big, but I just talked to the dude and he's at home and there's kids around him. And so there was like this thing where, you know, can you really run a professional agency and you're working at home? But so now it's kind of funny because I think people are more forgiving of that. And I'm, I'm really seeing how far I can take this. And, and now it's just like, who, <laughs> it's like, who cares now? Like I'll get on these calls now. And the first thing I say is, dude, I haven't cut my hair in two months. How are you looking? Yeah. <laughs> and then I just put it all out there. So there's nothing to hide. And then I'm like, Hey, if you hear some ayahs in the background, it's because my kid's doing karate. And then <laughs> after I put that out there, I got nothing to worry about. <laughs> right. <laughs> One thing that I've I've had uh, frequently is a dog barking in the background. That's that's yeah. been my 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 thing where I usually have to go through and edit out. Okay, there's a dog bark, minute thirty four. You know, whatever. Yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think um, it just depends on you know your your comfort level, and I why not embrace it now and just let people you know um, trance the guy that has a dog barking, and then you never have to care again. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, so you mentioned on this, uh, with your, uh, children's karate class, you, you kind of mentored, uh, one of the owners. Who do you think has been most influential on who Damon is today? Um, I've been asked that question before and, uh, I don't have a specific person. So I've, I've been super fortunate in ways where I've never been the type, even when I said earlier when we were talking I said, you know, I'm pretty confident that I'd be an entrepreneur at some point, but I had no idea what. And I think that mindset has been really helpful where I didn't feel obligated to like pick a path or feel insecure about where I'm at as long. Like I had like that confidence of, uh, you know, we're going to get there someday, but the humility to be okay with, I don't know when that is or how, what the avenue is. And so kind of for that same reason, I've never really gone and idolized anybody. Um, I pick up little things, you know, little gold nuggets here and there, and and I internalize those things. But I've never really followed anybody, um, you know. If 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 something comes up, and I think so, some other people might say, "How I wish I could accomplish that thing," but the way that I've always been is when something comes up, and I. I never say I wish if something comes up and says that would be great to do that thing. Then I go, how do I do that thing? And I think that's just, I've just, I don't know if it's luck or what, but that's just the way I've always been. And so when something comes up, I just go right into how mode and then just start reverse engineering how to get there. And, and I think for that reason, I've never had to proactively pursue inspiration and in other people. And you know, that may be a fault of mine as well. Who knows where I'd be if I did, go down the mentor path or embrace more people's wisdom. Yeah. Well, I think you're definitely onto something that you realized much sooner than I personally did because I did, you know, follow people and 
idolize them and like, oh man, I can't believe all that they've been able to accomplish. If only I could do that. And then I've, I've talked about this before, but then I met them and I'm yeah. like, oh, they're just a regular person. They just had a goal and they kept pursuing it in mm-hmm. face of all the odds. And you know what? That's, that's all there is to it. Nobody's superhuman. It's just mm-hmm. somebody is working towards whatever they're working towards and they're, they're continuing to do it uh, with people telling them no. And they're just, they just keep pursuing it. Like it's just, it's really simple, but to me, it seemed complicated at the time. That's the common denominators right there. There's really only two things you have to exclude, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk, because those are just like unicorns that happen every once in a while, (laughs) but everybody else that's successful underneath them um, it's really only two things. One is they tried, right? So they mm-hmm. said go. But the bigger thing is is what you said is they stuck with it, the persistence. And I say this all the time to other people I talk to is entrepreneurism is not what you think it is. Like it should be glorified to an extent, uh, to an extent because it's cool and you get to do cool things and you should, um, you know, celebrate your accomplishments. But you don't. You need to stop looking at the highlight reel of everybody else because entrepreneurism equally sucks, and you know you have to just go through those things. And that's you're exactly right. It's just the persistence, and it's funny you talk about oh they're just a regular guy because um, I've had a lot of calls lately. The the person I told you that we connected on Marco Polo. So mm-hmm. this lady was on my podcast and she she does seven figures she owns five businesses and she works 10 hours a week right wow and so her and i are like we've become it's it's a really cool relationship we've become really good friends really fast just in a couple weeks and we're like marco poloing every day and if you don't know marco polo is it's like a, a video relay app where you just send you know a little video of whatever and and they get to it when they get to it and you can reply when you want to reply and so she's super successful and, and she lives in the sticks. Like she jokes about it all the time and she jumps on and she's got her hair pulled back and her kids screaming in the back. Like the last message I had before a call was her talking to me on the phone. And then she's like, stop pulling those lights, <laughs> you know? And it's just, it's just the everyday people, the, the more yeah. successful I, I people that I get in my network just the more grounded they are, the, the, they're the people that are just like, whatever, I'm just, whatever my thing is, I'm just going to do my thing. And that's it. Yeah. Um, you touched on your podcast. Um, how is it that you decide to get into podcasting and what are kind of your plans for that? So I started because it crossed my mind and it (laughs) seemed, it seemed interesting. And here's another perfect example of just filling it out. So, um, I've been, I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of great people that have, have great success stories. So I thought, okay, well, podcasts sound interesting. Um, and I didn't know what I want to do with it, but I knew I wanted to see what it was all about and what the opportunities might be. And so I didn't know what those opportunities would be unless I tried it. So I said, all right, let's take, let's do this for a little while and see if it's something I want to commit to. So I either, I can either when I do it, I'm either going to learn, no, it's not my thing or yes, it is. But either way I can stop thinking about it. And so I, I did, I don't know, 10 or 20 recordings with, um, 
people in my network didn't air any of them uh, at the time just recorded them and figured it out and what i liked and what i didn't like and then um i said uh sure i'll do another 10 or 20 more and so i did another 10 or 20 more and then kind of that second round i said yes yeah, is what i really learned and and i'm sure that you'd agree with is plus relationships and so i just went through the process of yeah, let's see where this goes. And I didn't have an exit strategy. I don't have a long-term plan. But through that journey, I've ended up getting clients out of it. I now have a new best friend on Marco Polo, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and just all these different things. And so um, I've done it enough now. I'm very process-driven where um, I've figured out a process now. And so I record it and then I pass it to my my team. And we could probably go in another full circle on the value in that, right? Like mm-hmm. do something yourself so you know how to do it effectively before you outsource it or pass it on. Because like one of the main things I said in, in that Rich Cardona podcast is if you outsource something or your team, or your employees or whoever that do your things suck, it's your own fault. And a lot of times it's your fault because you didn't do that thing yourself to understand how to do it effectively to then tell your team to do it effectively. So the, the podcast has been really fun. Um, I still don't have uh, an intentional long-term trajectory that I'm following for it. Uh, I've, I've become comfortable in the idea of letting it grow organically so I can maintain the ability to have free discussions instead of niching down, um, which has its cons because if I niche it down, then that's, I attract a more loyal audience. I have, uh, um, I could probably scale it a little bit quicker, but then I corner myself on what I can talk about and what my market cap is on how big it could go. So it's, I'm totally cool. Just letting it be Damon's thing and attracting whoever wants to listen to Damon <laughs> and let it keep bringing these little interesting rewards along the way. Yeah. I, I think the, the networking has been a, uh, the tremendous aspect of, of the podcasting again, similar story where it's like, I I've been waiting for this uh, product that I've been working on for years to come out. And it's like, I don't want to just sit here um, and do nothing. It's like, mm-hmm. I've been interested in podcasts. I'm going to start one. And it's just been honestly an awesome opportunity that again, I don't necessarily have the long-term vision or goal for either, but yeah. it's something that I've enjoyed enough that it's like, let's just keep this rolling. Let's see how it goes. And I've again, similar to you, it's like, do I niche it down? Do I not? And it's kind of just been a, an open format too. So, uh, yeah, sounds like we're, we're running similar paths. You're obviously quite a bit ahead of me in terms of, uh, how long you've been doing this, but, um, uh, well, it's with podcasts to watch yours. Well, yeah, I appreciate, you know, and you've given me feedback as a listener, which has helped a lot because what's interesting about podcasts is you don't know who's listening and how they affect you, you know, your story affects them. And so it's, it's really good when you, when you actually know and can get direct feedback, but you know, it's, it's super crazy. Some of the stuff that comes along with the journey. I, you know, I talked about getting some clients, which is cool, but the more interesting things are the random things, right? So I, my dad's a, diehard Minnesota Vikings fan. Like I have no idea why he's never been to Minnesota. Well, he has now, but um, (laughs) you know, he just has always loved the Minnesota Vikings. And so I had some guests on my podcast who were in Minnesota. And for Father's Day last year, I bought my dad tickets to a Minnesota Vikings game that was like November later that year. So I took my dad to Minnesota for the first time, saw his first in-person Minnesota Vikings Vikings game and could meet somebody in Minnesota that was off my podcast. And then 
my Marco Polo friend. And then my last podcast guest just a day or two ago was this guy that owns this massive food company. And he go, I, he has these really interesting um, niche products. And I said, yeah, um, I'd be interested in some of your other things that you're, you know, experimenting with it down the road. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dude, just send me a text. Anytime you see something on the shelf and you want some, just let me know. I'll send you a box. Like, how, <laughs> I, how's I get to, like, how can I do that any other way? Or, right. you know, I've had, when I work with, I, I've worked with the Utah Jazz on their retail store. And, you know, that came through a relationship that came through another relationship. And so it's just like all these little things pop up, opportunities pop up that you could never buy an ad space or do anything else to get your foot in the door on those opportunities. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, you know, you've taken uh, these experiences that you've had, um, you know, building companies and uh, building SEO, your SEO content, and you're now putting it into a book as well, which should be coming out, you know, probably by the time this airs, you should mm-hmm. have that, uh, out and that's called outrank correct yeah yeah so it's kind of it's kind of a mix of everything we've talked about um how I, I talk about elite rides and how i got into it um it's also a playbook so if you think about seo the the thought of an seo book doesn't sound too sexy and so i had i had to say i had to say how do i write about seo while keeping people's attention so the, the first part of the book is the elite ride story um, we talk, you know, you're, you're familiar with SEMA show, talk about, um, how I outranked this multi-million dollar SEMA convention. Um, I talk about how I outranked the billion dollar ABC network for a bachelor website. So I talk about like all these real world things, uh, of SEO, but in really cool stories. And then hopefully that informs the reader enough of the process through stories that then by the last half of the book, I'm like, okay, like here's the technical stuff because you understand the backstory now. So, um, yeah, the, the, I just got the final publisher sign off yesterday and they said it hits digital any day and I get physical copy in a week or two. And I mean, that's a whole other story talking about writing a book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, well, that's, that's super cool. I'd actually forgotten about that SEMA story. And uh, now you mentioned it, it's like, oh, yeah, how could I have not, you know, yeah. talked more about that. But, you know, I want to I be cognizant of your time and not take too much of your time. So I want to, before, you know, you give your chance to give shout outs and, you know, where people can find you, I want to ask you one, one more question. And yeah. just a general question, business, personal life, whatever, what is it that excites you about the future? Mm. So my, this is, this is either going to be really good or really bad for <laughs> listeners that want to find out more about SEO is, um, I think I'm going to exit sometime in the next couple of years. And, um, like I like, I really like the idea of, you know, consulting and all, all these things we've kind of touched on helping people and doing podcasts. Like that's, where I find personal satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I want to do more of that. And so even if I exit at some point, um, I'll still, I'll still be in the same space, right? It's, it'll just be so I can free up time so I can do more of the personal side of that space. So, um, you know, somebody asked me a similar question the other day and, and, and the answer was, um, I think the way they framed it was, what are you unsure of in the future? And I, my answer to that is very similar to your question because 
I don't know what that exit means. And I'm unsure about that. And so I'm really excited uh, because I'm very process driven. And usually I know like steps, the, the next steps one through 10. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what one through 10 is if and when I exit. And so um, that excites me. Uh, you know, that unknown is not something I'm scared about. It's just something I'm anxious about. Okay. So. Well, very cool. I, I look forward to seeing, uh, you know, the next step of the next evolution of Damon Burton. Uh, and I, I think you're going to kill it no matter what you do, because uh, like you, like you said, you've always been process driven and you, you always have uh, some sort of plan, even if it's, you know, seemingly unknown to you at this point, I think you are setting yourself up for the future, whatever it ends up being. But um, I want to give you a chance to tell people where to find you and uh, find out more information about you and any, but you want to shout out. Yeah, the, uh, I'll give you two links. Um, SEOnational.com is my business. Um, the website's ugly. It's horrible. It's outdated uh, because, <laughs> because I'm busy taking care of clients and it's just not my priority. Um, and then depending on, on when you share this, Trent, um, I have a, because of the book, I have a site that is hopefully live by the time you hear this. And so if it's not, come back a week later, um, freeseobook.com. I'm going to give away some copies of my book and just kind of share what's in there. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate uh, your time, Damon. And it's always good to catch up with you. I wish we had you know more time where we could just talk for <laughs> you're you're on my co- you're on my coffee list and like i said i i made I've a post your, while, <laughs> I made a post. coffee list for like six months now <laughs> yeah it's probably six months i made it like october november i made a post like hey i want to i want to just every other friday meet up with people and just chat with no agenda trent's number one on that list i get busy with the book i'm finally ready to tackle the coffee list and then coronavirus hits <laughs> <laughs> That's all good. We'll we'll make sure to to uh, revisit that at another time. But um, I know I've gotten a ton of value out of this, so I know my audience has gotten a ton of value out of this. So I want to encourage all of you listening to get out there and hustle the day. Thanks for listening to the Hustle the Day podcast all the way through. I really appreciate that. I just want to let you know that I help small businesses with their online strategy. So if you or anyone that you know needs help with their online strategy and owns a small business, I'm your guy. Go ahead and connect with me at Trent V. Bray on Instagram or TrentVBray.com.